Hello, Hyrock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with our walk through the Gospel of Luke and actually continuing from the scene yesterday where John the Baptist is presenting his message. And today we're looking at the second half of that passage where we see the crowd's response to the message of John. So we are here in Luke chapter 3, verses 10 through 19, where we read this. The crowds asked, What should we do? John replied, If you have two shirts, Give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, Teacher, what should we do? He replied, Collect no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do? asked some soldiers. John replied, Don't extort money or make false accusations, and be content with your pay. Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. John used many such warnings as he announced the good news to the people. John also publicly criticized Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, for marrying Herodias, his brother's wife, and for many other wrongs he had done. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, um... At the risk of differing again, I'm going to say that John also failed politics. <laughs> in, in any case, here, we uh, in this message of John, uh, we see this response. The crowds want to know how they should respond. Besides being baptized, he says you have to keep, um, you have to show fruit in keeping with repentance. So what does that look like? Well, in verse 11, he says to the crowds uh, who are presumably mostly the poor, he says, if you have two shirts, which would be a luxury for them, then give one to the poor. And if you have food, share with those who are hungry. So share your excess. Make sure that no one has needs among you, which seems pretty simple enough. In fact, it seems that, you know, John could be diving into a whole range of theological issues and uh, getting tangled up in all kinds of debates. But really, he sticks to some very, very simple principles that at the same time are very hard to do. Just because something is simple doesn't mean it's easy to do. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in this approach. I mean, because if you, I think if you put your effort into living sacrificially and genuinely out of love for the last, the lost, and the least of people, then I think it's much harder to get up in in lies or distractions or or pointless debates. Uh, but even simple approaches have thorny issues, and two of them immediately come up. One are the tax collectors, and the other are the soldiers. And both these groups of people would have been perceived as, by many, as enemies of the people. The tax collectors were collecting for people like the evil Herods or for the Roman Empire, the foreign occupier and oppressor. And even worse, many of them uh, uh, used their power to collect more than they needed to in order to line their own pockets. And so what's John going to say to these people who everyone else perceives as their enemies? Would he tell them to stop being part of of a corrupt system? Would he tell them to tear it down from the inside? What what would be his response? Well, 
honestly, you know, no system truly is without corruption and injustice uh, embedded into it. So if that were the case, then what, what would be left? But John simply says in verse 13, to collect no more tax than the government requires. In other words, you can do your job even within a corrupt and unjust system. Just make sure you do nothing to contribute to any extra injustice and make sure you do your best to serve the people. At least that's how I read what John says. And then similarly, he's speaking to the soldiers and uh, we're not, uh, it's not specified what kind of soldiers they were. Were they Romans? Were they perhaps a garrison of locals who are an auxiliary to the Romans? There was one nearby in Syria. Uh, were they temple guards or maybe soldiers of one of the Herods? We're not told. And in some ways, maybe it doesn't matter because in many ways, um, in these times of relative peace, some unstable peace, but relative peace, they were serving as something like uh, police officers. And, and it seems like that's how John treats them and says to, to them as officers of the peace, don't extort money, don't make false accusations and be content with your pay. Uh, I, I don't think that means that you can't ask for a raise, but I do think it means you can't use your low pay as an excuse to shake down others for money, to use your position of authority to line your own pockets, as the problem was with the tax collectors. And, and once again, or, you know, to shake down people for bribes. And, and once again, John doesn't say, hey, stop being part of a corrupt system, and instead says, you don't be corrupt. Don't add to the injustice of this world. And I think this is rather shocking to me, because we encounter first that John is like preaching fire and brimstone and calling people a brood of vipers. And he's talking about axes at the root of the tree and all of this. And yet when he tells them what they need to do, the, the actions they need to take are, are really pretty simple, not easy, but simple. You know, it's repent and ask for forgiveness from God, uh, be baptized as a public symbol of your allegiance to God and don't be evil, you know, take care of each other and don't be evil. Uh, Dave, I'm wondering what you see in this passage, but I'm especially interested if you have any insight about like how John comes off so radical and then yet in the end, his message is so very simple and, and basic about what they're to do. So, uh, you know, I, I wonder if it is so simple um, that, uh, you know, as we talk about the principalities and powers, you know, I think so oftentimes, uh, you know, Paul writes later on, right? Our battle's not against flesh and blood but against the principalities and powers, uh, right? Like that rule this dark world. Like, I mean, it's these kind of these bigger uh, nefarious influences. And so oftentimes when I, uh, when I was first being introduced to that, I, I would think of like, I don't know, demons and all that kind of stuff that were, and which is not untrue. It's just, it's, it's not the final truth. It's, it's, it's sort of the, the lesser truth. The, the bigger truth is that the, the real, I think, principality and powers, uh, it, it actually gets named by Jesus as mammon, right? It, it's it's when money gets worshipped. And, and so that instead of people having value, money has value. And when we worship mammon, people no longer have, our people's value is diminished, which is why it is that you know, we end up making cost-benefit analyses, analyses around uh, all kinds of, of things that end up having very dehumanizing effects or, or very destructive effects, right? When, when we think about uh, policy in terms of poverty or how do we're going to deal with health care or, or even kind of which wars we intervene in and which ones we don't. Uh, and so oftentimes it comes down to, well, 
what does money tell us, right? What's going to be lucrative? Uh, and I think that that actually one of the 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 principal um, contenders uh, for for God's authority in our lives is mammon. It's money. And it's not lost on me that in all three cases, right? You got kind of regular poor peasants. You've got these tax collectors, and you've got these Roman soldiers, right? They're Romans of some kind, you know, whatever they they're somehow they're not they're not like the Jews. So it's these very different populations. And in every case, when they ask the question, what then shall we do? The answer in all three cases has to do with their relationship with money. And it's dethroning money because now Jesus is on that throne instead. Well, not Jesus yet, but God is going to be on that throne instead. And, and so that's, I think if, if we can kind of grasp the significance of that, because I think a lot of us in our day have just found clever ways to be able to worship both. And, and in fact, I think a lot of the Jewish tax collectors would have said the exact same thing. Oh, I'm Jewish. Oh, I, I go to temple. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I even tithe. Uh, I tithe on the the dishonest gain that I get, right, from exploiting my position, uh, and and I think that there's this way that we can we can comfort ourselves that we have found a way to make peace with both of these uh, warring parties, but we cannot. And usually, what that means is we've actually found a way to fit in worship with of God in a way that doesn't upset Mammon too much. And I, I think that that, especially for all of us who are watching this, right? If you're watching this, obviously you got a computer uh, because you know you're not seeing it live, and so already that puts us in the top one percent globally uh, of, of people. You know, we love to talk about the one percenters, but the reality is the one percenters are us. Uh, and so we we are these people who are so privileged. And you know what? The current mammon system is working for us, and that's where we need to be so careful that. It doesn't mean you have to completely leave the world and abandon all capitalism. I think that that's kind of foolishness too. I think what we can do instead is say, I will no longer worship at that altar. I no, no longer obey mammon's orders. I will no longer use it to decide what actually has value and what does not. Uh, and so that's what he's, I think, trying to challenge. And I think that is radical. I think this is more than a change of behavior. I think this is a change of religion. And I think that for a lot of us, if we challenge the way that we think about money, it would be more than a change of behavior. It would be a change of religion. And the reason that so many people in our own church struggle with tithing or going beyond giving just 10%, you think, oh, the incredible abundance that we have, going beyond just 10%, why can't we do it? Because we worship mammon. And it would require a change of religion for us. We'd have to trust in God instead of trusting in our bank accounts. We'd have to end up having the Holy Spirit tell us what to do and how to make decisions rather than our, our financial you know, Excel sheets. Uh, I think that's the kind of thing where if, if we can figure out how is it that I can, within this world, how can I worship God and live for God? And that's why I think he is saying these soldiers, hey, you're going to be in a broken world. Don't add to the brokenness. Don't be a part of it. Don't simply acquiesce. And so go along to get along, you know, ah, well, yeah, what can I do about it? I just might get good for me. No, 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 no. Don't do that. And he's saying the same to the tax collectors and to these other people who, hey, you've got so little. So your tendency is to hoard. Don't give into that. And instead, 
value people more than you value your second shirt. And I think that's a very powerful and prophetic word. So to me, that's a lot harder than, than saying just do something externally. He's actually challenging the people at their core. I think dethroning money for any of us is actually maybe the battle we don't want to admit that we really struggle with uh, because that's probably the battle that most of us, we're not battling. We're just, we're just, we surrendered. Well, uh, John is preparing the way for the Lord, preparing the way for Jesus. And Jesus later, of course, famously would say, you you cannot serve both God and mammon. You cannot serve both God and money. I mean, he could have picked any enemy of God, and there are many to choose from. But I, I think many of us think that he chose money simply because if anything's going to displace God from our hearts, chances are really high it's going to be money. It's just that's the right. number one contender, as you put it. It's the, the, the thing that's most likely to challenge God's authority in our lives. And I don't think that money is bad. I don't think that power is bad, right? Money is just a store of power. And I think that God has given us power to do good, right? That's what happened in the garden. God was giving us power to do good. But then we use that power to serve ourselves instead of serving God and serving others. And that's what I think John is now reminding these people of. Right. That's kind of the, the, the twist that is, is big here. So anyway, well, John, we've run out of time. Would you be willing to close us in prayer today? Definitely. There's a huge challenges and we're going to need God's spirit. Amen. Our good and gracious God, we confess that we do not have the power, the strength, the integrity to resist these challenges on our own. We need you and we need uh, the people, the, the family of people who are have also pledged to follow you. Lord, we pray for uh, that uh, for your spirit to strengthen us individually, to strengthen our community, help us to hold each other to account, to encourage one another, to um, live in, in bold ways and, and to inspire one another to greater examples of, of self-sacrifice and love, uh, not to earn something, but simply, Lord, out of gratitude for all the ways that you have sacrificed yourself for us and continue to lay down your life for us. Lord, help us to follow in the path of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. My friends, thank you so much for joining us this week. We loved having you with us. And uh, I hope that you are able to join us this weekend as we gather in our various congregations for worship. And then we look forward to seeing you back here on Monday as we continue our journey through the Gospel of Luke.